Good morning. Just organise myself, excuse me. Hi. On a hot Friday a couple of years ago, my mother-in-law went shopping. She goes shopping pretty much every Friday. And she bought quite a bit of stuff, so she had um, quite a number of bags in her hands. And one of the very last things that she bought was some fish, a little bit of fish for their tea tonight. And she didn't have um, you know, much space in her hands, so she thought, oh, I'll just pop it in my handbag, because it was a big handbag, so I know you know what's coming already, don't you? <laughs> so she puts it in her handbag, and um, she goes home, it's hot, she puts her stuff down, sorts things out, and thinks, oh, I've got all those people coming for tea tonight, what should I cook, because it's large numbers, gets on with the day. Saturday is a hot day. Sunday morning is a hot morning, and she gets up, and she walks into the kitchen, and she's like, what is that smell? There's a really odd smell in here. My father-in-law is sitting at the table with socks on. She goes up. She smells his feet. Nah, that's not the problem. Maybe it is sometimes. I don't know. But it wasn't the problem then. She opens her fridge and she goes, it must be something in here. She empties the contents of the fridge out, cleaning it as she goes. But there is nothing smelling in there. So between her husband and herself, just trying to follow their noses around their kitchen, eventually they come to the handbag. And in the handbag, there is the piece of fish that she bought earlier on. And it is reeking, absolutely reeking. So she gets the fish and, of course, she throws it out. I imagine in the outside bin, she throws it. Because things that are rotten stink, don't they? They really smell. There is nothing good about something that has gone rotten. And by choice, we would not keep rotten meat or fish in our houses, would we? And yet this morning, we're going to think about how sometimes we choose to let rot sit in our hearts and sit in our minds. We're in relationships with other people. We live in communities and we all know that that can be hard work. It can be hard to keep relationships between us fresh and good and not going off at all. Sometimes a little bit of rot might creep in and we just get used to the smell and we just ignore it and we're not aware of it anymore. Well, this morning we're going to take hold of our relationships and we're going to hold them up to our nose and we're going to smell them and see what they smell like. Last week, Steve began some spring cleaning of relationships and we're going to continue with that spring cleaning now. And if we find rotten fish, we're going to chuck it out. We're going to do this so that relationships in communities around us are fresh and good. Now, in Jesus' day, of course, they didn't go to the market or the shop or somewhere like that and um, buy some fish. They probably bought fish with heads on them. But um, I couldn't quite face having eyes staring at me. I'm afraid. And they were more expensive. <laughs> Shut that. When Jesus went and bought fish, he wouldn't have come home, obviously, and taken that bit of fish and shoved it in the fridge, because obviously they didn't have fridges in those days. In those days, pretty much they ate fresh, fresh food, fresh meat, fresh fish. But if they did need in any way to keep something a little bit longer, then they used salt. They would get out their good old salt 
and they would sprinkle it on it. I haven't actually practiced this. I so hope it takes that smell away. (laughs) And they would sprinkle it with salt in order to preserve it. (laughs) I seriously do not like the smell of fish. (laughs) Stay. In order to preserve it. And so in their minds, that was a really good reason to have salt around. But also, just like we use salt today, we don't often use it to preserve things. But they used it to bring out the flavor, just like we sometimes do. In cooking, they would add salt to bring out the flavor. And also when Jesus talked to people and explained things, he used imagery that they knew about. And so one of the things he says to his followers one day is, you are to be like salt and light. But you are to be like salt, so that whatever the world around you is like, that you live in such a way that preserves, preserves goodness and brings out the flavor of love and unity in the community around them. In order that people will look at these relationships and look at these communities and go, wow, God is God. He makes a difference. I will praise him. So this morning, thanks Tim, we're going to look at relationships and in particular we're going to look at forgiveness and I'm going to encourage us all to choose forgiveness, to choose reconciliation in our lives and for two reasons to start with. One of them is because the rot and stench of bitterness within us, if we do not forgive, is nasty. It is not good and I believe that it needs to be cleaned out from within us. And the other reason is to bring goodness so that our lives preserve goodness and flavor our communities and relationships with love and with unity as well. This morning, as Chris said, we're exploring words that make a difference and quantum shifts. There may be a few moments this morning when our understanding does have to flip a little bit, um, a slight quantum shift in how we do relationships how we actually bring reconciliation. Thanks, Tim. Last week, Steve started for us, and he concentrated on the words, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And he helped unpack a story that Jesus told. And this story, actually, we don't want that one yet, but thanks. This story, actually, Jesus told straight after he told his followers to be salt. So he said, I want you to go out and be salt and light in the world. And then he told quite a number, he talked for quite a while after that, about different ways to live. And all these ways were showing the followers, well, this is how you are salt in the world around you. This is how you are light in the world around you. And the story that Steve talked about last week actually was the first one that Jesus told, having told his disciples to be salt and light. And he tells them, if you go to the temple with a sacrifice and you're about to sacrifice um, this animal to God and you suddenly remember, oh, I've got something, I've got a wrong, I've wronged somebody else, then you need to leave your sacrifice there. It would be interesting because it would be live at that point. I'm not quite sure what it would do. But you are to leave your sacrifice there and you are to go back to find that person that you have wronged and you are to make right with them immediately. And then you can come back, find your wandering sacrifice and then you can sacrifice it to God. Steve encouraged us to be people who choose peace. People who choose peace. 
that we're to be people who go and say, I have wronged you, please will you forgive me? He helped us to actually see how we can do that and how it's best not to do that as well. He's talked about how um, hard it is to live knowing that we've wronged someone else and, and talked about that that can leave us with such regrets as well. And even though it's really hard to go to somebody and say, I am wrong, the liberation that we can get from doing that. And also, what a gift. What a gift it is to the person that we go to and say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? I was wrong. You can listen to his talk. I won't summarize the whole thing. You can listen to his talk if you go onto the NCR website and listen. It's well worth it, I think. But this morning, we're continuing with with forgiveness, but we're like flipping the coin onto the other side of it. And we're actually exploring the concept of, well, actually, what do I do if I feel that I have been wronged? Not if I've wronged somebody else, but what if I feel that somebody has wronged me? And even just on this side of the coin, the topic of forgiveness is a really big topic. So I just want to clarify a little bit about what we are and what we're not talking about. I'm talking about this morning current issues, current relationships that we have and current communities that we're in because old deep hurts from the past take a very long process of forgiveness and it's a complicated thing to do. The spring cleaning is intensive, the understanding is intensive of knowing what to do with that and we don't have time this morning to get to the full grips of that. But I do believe if it is an old hurt, we still can choose this morning to get into the process of forgiveness, to actually begin that journey. I spoke to a very wise woman once who said that forgiveness needs to be as deep as the injury. So if it's an old, deep past injury, that is going to take a long process of forgiveness because the forgiveness needs to be deep too. But I do hope that this morning some of the truths that we look at and talk about will help in that process of healing. I'm also this morning not talking about those little everyday niggly sort of things that do make us angry for a moment, that might hurt us for a moment, but by the end of the day, they've passed. They don't sit with us. There's nothing left within us from them. I'm not talking about those either. What I'm talking about this morning are when things are done, or when things are said and they leave a hurt or an anger within us that simmers within us. We may be able to push it down inside of us, but some while later it'll come up again and then we push it down and it'll come up again. That's what we're looking at this morning. And Jesus explains that so that we can spring clean and get rid of the rot and so that we can preserve our relationships with salt, so that we can preserve the goodness and the love and the unity. He says this, thanks Tim now. This is what what we need to do. It says, if another disciple, so somebody else in this case, if another follower of Jesus sins against you, hurts you, does something like that, you go and have it out just between the two of you alone. If they listen to you, you've won back a brother or a sister. If they listen to you, you've won back a brother or a sister. The right thing to do, I believe, that we're taught in the Bible is that if somebody hurts us, we are to go and speak to that person and not let the rot sit in. I do think we need to take a little bit of time first and to think about a few things. And one of those things that we need to think about is, am I actually hurt 
because of what they've said or done? Or am I hurt because of a past wound that I've got? Because sometimes somebody can do something really quite small and their intentions are not dreadful, but because of a wound that they do not know that we've got, it hurts way more than actually what it should. And I think in those instances, it's really important that we actually deal firstly with the old wound and the past wound first. But I wonder what it is that we do. I wonder what it is um, that we do when we... Sorry, I just saw my God something taken out. I got completely distracted momentarily. <laughs> I had one of those, oh, moments. Um, I wonder what we do. Hi, Alice. I wonder what we do when we... Um, When somebody does hurt us, what is our common reaction? Maybe, thanks Tim, maybe what we do is um, what the Bible says and we do approach the person and talk to them about it. Or maybe what we do is we pretend it didn't happen. We decide for ourselves, well, I'm actually going to work on the forgiveness in me. I'm, I'm not going to deal with it beyond. And we sort of paper over the cracks. And it might be for a while that it seems to be fixed, but often that simmering anger will still be within us and come back up to the surface at times. Maybe we decide to talk to other people about it. We might be verbal processors and decide, actually, the way for me to fix this for myself is to actually go and tell some people about it and talk to some people about it. And somehow we manage to excuse the fact that we're gossiping. We excuse it by going, well, actually, this is helping me. Actually, this is helping this other person out. Maybe I'm showing these other people that this is what this person is really like. Sometimes we justify our gossiping. Or it might be that we choose to avoid and ignore the other person, but I believe that this leads to cracks in relationships and communities, which can become chasms, which can broaden completely. Different situations are obviously completely different, and they take different reactions, different responses to them. But I do believe that on the whole, the best thing to do is to go and speak to the person. Now, there are obviously times when the person has gone. They're not around anymore. There are times when the person is dangerous or vulnerable and it isn't right to go. But I think that most of the times when we don't go to the person, we don't go because we're uncomfortable, because we're a bit scared maybe about it, because maybe we say, well, I'm not a confrontational person, so that's just not the way I deal with things. But I don't think Jesus, when talking to his followers, was assuming that they were all confrontational people either. But this, I believe, is how we do get rid of the rot, any, of any bitterness within us. I believe this is the way that we preserve relationships and flavour them with love and flavour them with unity as well. It may be a bit of a quantum shift for you to actually hear that actually it's not the better thing. It's not more Christian, if you like, to just ignore the situations that come up. It's not how to live in peace. We're not left living in peace if we ignore these situations. But it really matters as well. How we actually go to that person really matters. It matters the intentions that we go with, that we don't go with the intention of revenge, that we go with the intention of making peace. We go with humility, with openness too. And the words from this week, words that make a difference, can really help us to go with the right attitude. Can you please help me understand? We can go and say, well, actually, this is the hurt that I'm feeling But can you please help me to understand? We can talk about how we feel, but not what their intentions are. That's for them to explain. That's for them to be able to tell us about. 
It may be another quantum shift in our thinking. I'm to go to that person, but my attitude matters. I have to go with an attitude of reconciliation. I thought I'd tell you about a couple of um, times that this has happened within new community. A couple of um, instances of when people have had to get together. But in order to honour those people, they remain anonymous in our stories. And also I have been and asked their permission, so you don't have to be sitting there going, oh, is she going to tell my story? I did tell her that thing once. No, I won't. If I haven't asked you, it's not your story I'm telling. The first one happened a little while ago. And it involved somebody standing up the front speaking, just like I'm doing this morning. And the person was telling, um, talking about a conversation that they had had that week. And they talked about the conversation that they had had. And then they made a little aside at the end. And in that little aside, um, there was a little bit of judgment of the person that they were talking about. Well, the person that they were talking about was sitting out there. And they knew that it was them. and, And they were really hurt by this. They were very hurt about it. And um, they decided to go home and they were stewing on it when they went home. It is like the goodness in their relationship had been taken out. No heads at all. It's like the goodness of their relationship had been taken out of the fridge and they had to choose, do we let this rot or do we deal with this? Well, that person who was listening went home and they did stew on it for a bit. They were furious, actually. And then they decided that it was important that they didn't let their relationship rot. And so they emailed the speaker and said, in summary, this is how I feel. Can we meet up and talk about it? And the speaker got back to them straight away and said, yes, come over tonight. And so the two of them met with one other person as well. And the listener was able to say, I was really hurt when you did this and explain that. And the speaker, because the person was open open to them and was really saying, please, can you help me understand? The speaker had an opportunity to explain themselves and their intentions. And the speaker apologized and said, I'm so sorry. And the listener was able to forgive them. And it was like they took that relationship in that moment and they seriously sprinkled it. I don't know that I'm going to have enough salt. And they seriously sprinkled it with salt because they were determined they were absolutely determined that they were going to preserve it they wanted to preserve the goodness in their relationship they both felt completely relieved afterwards the person who went the listener that went said that they felt um, a real freedom after it as well They felt admiration for each other that they had been prepared to actually come together and talk about it and not just let it boil away. They have a good relationship now, flavoured with love and with unity, and they know that other person will not hold something against me. They will come and tell me if there is an issue. It's been preserved, the goodness of their relationship. Another situation that happened involved two women. Two women were working together on a project quite recently. And they are wonderful women, but they are very, very different. They're different in personalities. They're different in their passions in life. They're different in the way that God has wired them um, to live for him in the world. And because they're so different, there were tensions that were rubbing over that time between them. Well, the project 
came to an end and they went their separate ways in that. And one of them particularly had really not understood how this other one was working. And this one went away and they they thought, I'm going to try and deal with this. But they found that it wasn't going away. Their feelings were not going away. Again, the goodness that had been in their relationship had been taken. I touched it. (laughs) Don't go near my left thumb. The goodness. (laughs) I'm so pathetic. (laughs) The goodness had been taken out of their relationship again. The goodness had been taken out of the fridge and they had to decide. This one person in particular had to decide, well, what do I do? Do I leave it out to rot or do I do something about it? Well, she decided, no, I don't want to do that. And she called the other one and she said, can we meet up for a coffee? And they went out and they had a coffee together. And this one person was able to say, actually, I was quite hurt at times. I didn't understand things at time. Can you please explain and help me to understand? And the other one was able to say, I had no idea or I had only an idea at time. I'm so sorry. This is what I was meaning by that. And they were able, again, to sprinkle salt to preserve that relationship. And they both spoke of how when they see each other now, there is greater love and admiration for each other. They understand about themselves more than they did. They understand about other people and working with other people more than they did before. And there is definitely flavor of love and unity that has been added to that relationship again. It is really good. Over the years here at NCR, I've spoken to quite a lot of people about forgiveness because just getting a handle on it and getting an understanding um, about forgiveness. And I have spoken to quite a lot of people over time who have been prompted to do the right thing and to go and speak to people. But they've gone and it hasn't been like these two instances. They've gone to the person and they really have had the door shut in their face. The other person won't meet with them and talk to them. Or maybe if they did, they just push blame back on this person. They don't help that person to understand at all. But I have been so impressed with these people when I've met with them because they've um, processed with this and dealt with this. And they all have been able to say, I know I've done the right thing. I know that when the relationships were there and I had to choose what to do, I went with my salt I went with the intention of bringing goodness, of preserving them. And it's not my responsibility how they responded. They were able to say that is their responsibility, how they responded. I did the right thing. They don't say it. But I took the salt with me. One very wise woman was able to say that what they have to remember is this. It is not forgive and forget. It is forgive and remember that I have chosen to forgive. It is not forgive and forget. We don't forget. It is forgive and remember that I have chosen to forgive. Holding that salt every time they think about that relationship. I want to preserve goodness as far as I can and love as far as I can. Well, when Jesus um, had finished telling the followers how to, um, to do this and how to go to the other person. Peter, who was one of his followers, said to him, well, Jesus, how many times do we forgive? Seven? And Jesus turns around and says, no, 70 times seven. Basically, he was saying, you forgive and you forgive and you forgive 
and you forgive. And the reason that he gives, he talks about at this moment and he talks about it another time and he unpacks them both times because obviously this is so important to him. Thanks, Tim. It goes above the other reasons that we looked at at the beginning. He says we are to forgive so that we can be forgiven by God. I think we sometimes find in life if we fail to forgive, our hearts begin to rot and they become encrusted and hard. And so we choose, we're almost not able to forgive. And as forgiveness cannot come out of our hearts, it cannot come into our hearts either. And we cannot be forgiven. I do believe though, while we have breath in our bodies, there is hope. And we can choose with the help of God to have that heart softened. And that we can forgive again and we can experience God's forgiveness too. That is really hard teaching. I undenied, or do I say that? That is so hard that you have to forgive in order to be forgiven. It is hard to hear. It is hard to live. It is hard to accept. But it is true. We may be able to look back at times in our lives and know, well, I knew that to some extent in my life. We may be able to look at somebody else that we've known with bitterness and go, well, I see it as a truth in them. What a wonderful, clean start and freedom God offers to us. But to receive his forgiveness, we need to be willing to forgive others. Having talked over the years with people about forgiveness and times that they've had to forgive, again and again and again I hear that when they have gone into these situations with God, it has made a difference. When they've been able to know that they do not go into the situation alone, when they have been able to pray for a transformation of their hearts, a softening of their hearts, that God will be at work in the other person and bless them and soften their heart too, that we see God's transforming power. doesn't always mean that it works out right. doesn't always mean that they will open the door to us and let us go to them and ask them to help us understand. But it will make a difference. Jesus calls us to be like salt, And God demonstrated what it is to be like salt. He demonstrated it when he died on the cross and when he rose again. It was Jesus, God, taking the salt. He longs to be reconciled with us and pouring it onto the relationship with us because he wants there to be goodness preserved. He wants there to be love and unity between us. The bands are going to play uh, a song in a moment called Oceans. It may be this morning that you go, actually, there is a relationship that I probably do need to go and talk, see the person and talk about my hurt and say, please help me understand. But you, if you are thinking that, probably you're thinking, whoa, that's hard. That is out of my depth. This song talks all about being out of our depth, but it talks about the sovereign hand So the hand of the king, the hand of God being there to guide us, that his presence will be with us, that we can trust that he will be with us. If there is a relationship that has come to mind, can I encourage you to go away and make a time to fix that? Make a time to do that. I imagine there are many of us here this morning where there isn't a current issue, though. There isn't anybody at the moment that we haven't forgiven. But we live in community 
We live with people around us at work, at home, wherever we are. So times will come, they do come, where we get hurt, where we get angry about things. Let us not choose to let the rot set in. As we go about our day adding salt to food, if you do, I I know not everybody does, salt to the cooking, salt to our plates maybe, or if you don't add salt, as we're cleaning, spring cleaning or not spring cleaning, but cleaning out dirt and grime in our lives, let us spend those moments going, just briefly, asking ourselves or asking God if we're in relationship with him, is there a relationship that I need to actually set right Is there somebody that I need to go and see or am I okay at the moment asking him to reveal so that if we do feel that, we can go to the person, explain our heart and say, please, can you help me understand? Let us be people who choose goodness, who choose love, who choose unity, who choose forgiveness. Thanks, guys.